Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Thank you, Annette. So before I get into the episode this week, I've got a little bit of a confession, maybe more like an admission. And uh, to give some context, I've also got a bit of a story, if you can bear with me. So I was really excited to have Amy on the podcast and actually was pretty nervous, to be honest. Uh, the reason being is that you know I follow a lot of people from Darwin and the Northern Territory on social media and keep up to date with what's going on up there because we run awards programs in the Northern Territory. And so, you know, like everyone in uh, up in the NT, you know, I was very aware of Amy and uh, followed her work and she's always hosting and emceeing events up there and doing various public appearances. And, you know, she's, as you'll hear in the podcast, she's actually, you know, sold out shows up in, in Darwin and um, holds a couple of records uh, for, in terms of the Darwin comedy scene. So, you know, when we initially got in touch with Amy during the middle of last year, to ask her to be a judge for the brand new NT Community Achievement Awards that we launched. You know, even though we did have a bit of a past association through her being in the Young Achiever Awards, that was a while ago. Off the top of my head, I think it was five, maybe yeah, more than five years ago, probably six, seven, eight years ago. And uh, yeah, when Amy said yes, I was, you know, absolutely stoked. And uh, as uh, I found out from our chat on the podcast, Amy's philosophy is actually say yes to everything. So you know, apparently it wasn't that big a deal because uh, she says yes to a lot of things. But besides the point, I was excited to have her on the judging panel. And then, uh, you know, we talked about being on the podcast and she was really keen. And so we finally made the schedule work to have our chat. And as I said, I was a bit nervous. Uh, and I don't know if this counts as irony, but uh, at the start of our chat, I just said, hey, I just want to double check everything set up correctly before we, uh, you know, fully dive into the the chat for the podcast, make sure everything's uh recording because you know you'd hate for for that to something to go wrong anyway checked in um annette who's the producer does an amazing job honestly annette is great and this podcast would not happen without annette annette gave the thumbs up yep we're all good and so we're at a bit of a loss as to what happened because uh here's the admission part somehow something went wrong it wasn't recording and uh Amy and I were chatting for over 20 minutes, probably 25 minutes until somehow we realized. And uh, all of a sudden it was a feeling of dread. Honestly, I was like, Oh my gosh. And I couldn't believe I joked about it at the start. And uh, anyway, Amy is a, an incredible professional and B an awesome human. So she was totally fine with it. But basically just prefacing this episode with, there might be a couple of sections that you know, Amy and I had to double over um, stuff that, we'd already talked about. And, you know, at first I was like, oh, well, maybe we won't go over that stuff. But some of it was important and it was really good stuff. So we did go over a couple of things twice. Amy was great. Really, really want to thank Amy Hetherington for being a great guest and uh, just it was such an awesome chat. So, yeah, if uh, if anything sounds like we're, uh, we've said it twice, it's because we did. So anyway, with that in mind, I hope you really enjoy this chat. As I said, Amy's just a great person and there's a lot of, really nice kind of wise little moments in this podcast as well in this episode along with some really funny bits so uh yeah enjoy the chat with amy hetherington we're almost there for the chat with amy 
please don't forget to rate and review the podcast. We would love your help with that. It really helps us to get the word out about the podcast. And most importantly, to share the stories of these inspirational Australians that we chat to. Because I think everyone needs that extra bit of positive vibes in their week. Plus, you can follow us on Instagram, inspirational.australians is the handle. We're on Facebook, Awards Australia. And lots of new content coming. So make sure you follow follow those accounts. And lastly, you can get in touch with us using the email address info at awardsaustralia.com. Tell us if you know an inspirational Australian. And uh, if you've got any questions you want to ask of a guest that we've had on, please do so. We might be able to get them back on and uh, do a bit of a Q&A session. All right, here we are. On to Amy. Well, I want to ask you about being a judge in the Community Achievement Awards. Have you done anything like that before? Yeah, I've been on a few panels and a few judging things uh, in Darwin, mainly scholarships-based or... Yeah, like what, like what type of things? So the International Student Ambassadors, I helped with the selection panel for them with the NT government and a few scholarships with um, the university. But this was the first one, I guess, that was a community award off the top of my head that I'm thinking of. I'm also on the um, peer register for Arts NT, so I help with a lot of the grant applications and judgment of that. But this was the first one that was like community stuff that was fun. Yeah. yeah, no, I was, um, thanks for being part of it because uh, it is kind of a tough position to be put in sometimes to, especially I think, and this is just from an outsider, from a Melbourne person talking about Darwin, so you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like in Darwin people seem to be, if they don't know each other, they're aware of people and groups and do you know what I mean? More so maybe than in, than in other places. And so being part of that judging panel, not that I'm on the panel, but a helping to facilitate it. The judging members are saying, oh, yeah, I know this person, or I've heard of them or... And so then they're trying to, you know, be really um, impartial and uh, judge everything on its merits. But that can be hard when you know people. What was it like for you? Darwin you, know <laughs> you know everybody in Darwin. So it is, it's, it's trickier because there's those biases and there's those... There's that real passion for knowing the work that people have put in and then reading an application and just knowing... They miss so much, <laughs> like, you know, how much extra work's gone into those programs, but they might not have had the skills in an application for an award. So your heart's really in it. But I think that also means that it's a funner process to judge those awards because everyone else on the panel has those same stories about different things. So you're actually able to, you know, work together to discuss who are the best recipients in that sort of space. And there is something really nice about knowing the people or knowing about those different programs because you feel a sense of pride hearing those stories that you might not know all the details to and a grant can actually give you an insight into the why that they started these different initiatives and it makes me really proud to be a part of a community with those kind of go-getters and those beautiful programs existing because it just makes the place better and a better understanding of that makes us all better citizens in this place as well like that point about you're aware of what they're doing and, you know, you know, they're doing a great job and they're making a huge impact, but yeah, that background on, on why they started it and what's motivating them, what's pushing them. Sometimes we, even the people we know the best, we forget to ask those really deep questions. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And that's, um, that it's such a privileged insight to be on a judging panel because it's kind of like uncovering a secret because it's not like that person's told me directly, but because I'm on that panel, I get to to read those things and find out those 
the stories behind the the face of of these bigger programs. So it's yeah, it's a real privilege to be a part of it. If anyone ever gets an opportunity to judge an award or be a part of a panel, it's totally worth it. And the other thing that comes out of it is you get better at your own applications from being on those kind of panels. So whenever I'm on a grant a grants panel, I learn something new about how to make my own. Uh, work stronger so there's always an opportunity for professional development as well as community pride from those things yeah you would be nailing grant applications now <laughs> <laughs> i do like grant applications fun yeah well now you know what the person on the other end is uh is going through their yeah. head what they're thinking so yeah, exactly exactly so any of that kind of stuff helps and if you know somebody that's been on a panel like being able to ask them and talk to them like there's there's so much knowledge out there and i think we're all so busy and we don't often take time to ask for that knowledge, but if that opportunity arises, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, that's true. So um, another funny thing about uh, judging, with, well, from my perspective, in organising the uh, the judging of the awards is that, um, and it just reminded me of something you said before, sometimes it can be hard to get someone onto a panel, convincing them that, oh, this is going to be good, and uh, they're, oh, I don't know if I've got time, it's a big effort. But then, as you said, once you've said yes and you realise how great it is, then we've got... Uh, usually too many people to choose yeah. from. Everyone wants yeah, to come yeah. back, which it's is a nice problem. problem. It's a good problem to have to have lots of people. And I think as well, like some, some of the challenges of those things are about time because time is such a, an important thing and not everybody has a lot of availability of it. And sometimes it's easier for people if they work for an organisation that, that's willing to pay them for their time on those kind of panels. That's a useful thing too. So there's some of those, you know, different connections that can come out of these things. But I think it's if you've got time, there is value in it. It's not one of those things that you're ever wasting time. You're, you're gaining from it, let alone the connections that you make within that panel, um, which are always good in a, in a networking sense. Speaking of time, how do you balance yours when, you know, you're touring or you've got tour plans coming up yep. um, and you, you know, probably have really intense periods of work? Do you have to then balance that with periods of downtime as well? Yeah, I try. I try to um to balance it. Definitely in the dry season in Darwin, where everything's happening. So you June, July, August, everyone's got an event, everyone's got a conference. I've got festival things on. It's a really busy time, which is why these shoulder seasons like January, Fe- January, February, or December, I try really hard to do the opposite and have lots of space and lots of relaxing. Because uh, there's only so much you can do. There's only only so long it can be sustainable to keep running. Uh, and that's my, my thing for 2021 is to learn how to just chill a bit more. I'm, I'm a pretty energetic human being, so I, I get a lot of energy from being around other people and doing lots of things. But I'm, I'm learning now that I need to, need to balance because, you know, burnout in my industry is pretty high, especially for freelancers that are doing their own thing. So I'm trying to practice what I preach because I do a lot of workshops on well-being and looking after yourself and trying to be a healthier human and if i can't look after myself then it's you know it's a bit rich to run those kind of workshops yes true and so what what do you do to uh to chill what's kind of amy's way of uh relaxing and winding down relaxing and winding down depends on the, the vibe i love a good puzzle i love puzzles i can smash out a puzzle like a thousand piece puzzle a week just sitting there and just working my way through it puzzles and podcasts pretty good uh, I've got a cute little doggo who's sitting behind me at the moment. She's pretty good for just letting time pass and just hanging out with her. There's so many beautiful places to walk in Darwin too, so I love a good walk out in like 
in nature or by the waterfront and things like that uh, and trying to spend more time with the friends that I have that bring me the most joy because they kind of re-energise things. Oh, and I've got a pool too, so I'm spoiled. I've got so many ways to relax. I can just sit in the pool and drink pina coladas. Like it's oh, my a, God, that sounds great. Yeah, it's a tropical dream. And so your, has your dog been there the whole time? I haven't seen her move. Yeah, hang on. Uh, where is she? I'm trying to show you on the screen. Oh, oh she's there she is. There she is. Oh, hey. What a cutie. Yeah, that is uh, Tully, the golden retriever. She's an absolute delight of a dog, but also probably one of the dumbest dogs you'll ever meet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, she, well I, <laughs> she didn't like that. <laughs> she heard the burn and she wasn't yeah. wasn't a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got a whippet and they're also renowned for being quite dumb. And yeah. this poor fella, he's also got really low vision. And oh. so combine his poor intelligence with his poor eyesight and it's just, it's a mess sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I can't have everything, can they? No. Uh, throw him a treat and it's like a metre away from him and he just can't see it. Yeah. Well, like yeah. you use your nose. Dogs have good noses. Come on. Tully's yeah, no. hilarious because she's she's all the enthusiasm in one little doggo. And when people come over, her tail isn't all that wags. It's like her entire body dislocates from side to side and she shakes her entire body to welcome people. And it just looks like, like an L-plater trying to reverse park. <laughs> really confused. But, she, yeah, she's good. I love having a doggo. It makes life better. Yeah, I agree. If, um, and if you're walking in Darwin at this time of year in the, the wet season, do you just expect to get wet or how does that work? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you, you plan your walk for when the storm's on its way because it's just so nice and relieving to walk in the rain because when it's not raining, it's what we call the build-up. So you've got that humidity and that mugginess and that heat but without the reprieve of, um, of the rain so it can be really uncomfortable. So sometimes it's nice if you look, you look on the bomb um, app on your phone and you try to judge when the storm's going to come and you start your walk in the in the heat and then it rains on you and it's it's a really <laughs> nice feeling. But then, yeah, the dry season, there's no rain at all. So it's the yeah. yeah, best days ever. We're spoiled up here, really. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, was, I was there for the Community Achievement Awards, the one that we are talking about with the judging before, and uh, I got caught in one of those rain and you know what? It makes so much sense now you explain it. I was not a local, so I didn't know. It was really hot and muggy and it felt like the temperature had ramped up like a couple of degrees. Yeah. And then it rained and I was like, oh, okay, now I'm wet. But Yeah. yeah. People, people walk out of their offices just to go and stand in the rain. That's the, that's the, the joy that it brings. And we've had, oh, we've had such a good dry, uh, wet season the beginning of this year. It's been raining so much. And my, my husband's a civil engineer, so he designs a lot of the drainage around town so he loves rain like that's what he's here for he's here to design stormwater and underground things to make sure that this town flows in certain ways and occasionally we get in the car and we go and have a look at drains because that (laughs) brings that man a whole bunch of joy (laughs) so we'll go and see how the water's flowing and if the retention basins are filling up there's actually um, uh, a big basin near the airport in Darwin that when it rains really good there's a bunch of cars parked there and people just watch it flood. Oh. Um, yeah, because that it's designed to take the water and then to, um, disperse it. Wow. But Darwin people love rain, love it. They'll watch it all day. Well, engineers are a special breed, um, yeah. I found. And this, I've got a story similar to your husband. Um, it was one of the finalists in the Young Achiever Awards for South Australia, I think two years yeah. ago. And she was an engineer 
um, I'm very proud of the projects that she she was leading some of these projects, which was, you know, really cool. Um, and so for the finalist kind of promotion, we ask, all right, send us some photos of you uh, with your work so that we can, you know, promote it. She sent me 10 different photos of like bridges and um, overpasses and <laughs> civil engineering projects that yeah. she led. And I was like, okay, these are great, but you like, we need to have, you know, you featured as well because we're telling a story about you. Um, and so then she went back to all those locations. There were 10 different locations and had someone take a photo of her <laughs> with that in the background. Yeah. And it was the most pure thing though, because she was so proud of her work. Yeah. I love and that. I, I also realized that my instructions were maybe not, I don't know, maybe they weren't yeah. detailed enough, but <laughs> she did, she delivered exactly what you asked as an engineer, they follow instructions um oh that's so relatable i i love that i love engineers they are just they're a unique breed their brains work a little bit differently but in such a way that like, they can just create so much yeah we like for dates when we first moved to darwin paul would take me to things he built and we just watch how they go and intersections because he designs a lot of intersections up here we go and sit and watch how effective they were um, which is so romantic, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a lucky girl. Um, <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah, it's good. When, it's good when people find their passion, though. What I yeah. like to be able to work in that kind of field. Yeah. So, so you guys, where did you meet? Not in Darwin. No, we met at um, Curtin University in WA. So I'm originally from Albany in Western Australia, so a small town down there, and went to Perth for uni, which is where I met Paul. Um, we met in a volunteer group there, um, the Student Ambassador Program, so we would go around to schools and talk to them about uni and that's how we met. But actually before that program we'd met accidentally on campus, um, completely unplanned. I went to the wrong lecture theatre because I was just a country kid. I didn't know how this big uni worked. And I went to the wrong lecture theatre and sat there for half an hour and nothing happened in the lecture theatre and I thought there was supposed to be a presentation but it hadn't started and there were three boys at the back of the lecture theatre and after half an hour I turned around and I said, do you know if this event's, like, happening soon? And it just so happened to be Paul who answered and he said, oh, no, no, you're a week early. Like, you, you're at the wrong place. That's next week. And he didn't say anything like, we'll see you there because we're a part of that program or hope you're okay. It was just, no, you're a week early, you know, get out <laughs> This is very practical and rational. And I thought to myself, I was like, I never want to see that guy again. And then a week later, he was the person in charge of the program that I was supposed to be attending, that I'd gotten the week the week wrong. And it was just so funny to have this first random meeting at a campus with 50,000 people because it's a big uni. Yeah. And for me to be like, oh, this guy, I never want to see never. him again. What a, what a rude engineer. <laughs> and then... Now we're, we've been together for how long? Like 12 years. Wow. Um, married for five of them. So turned out all right for him in the end, didn't it? Yeah. So first impressions do last, but yeah. they, can be, they can be overcome. Look, my first impression was accurate. He was a rude engineer. Um, <laughs> just so happened he was also a lovely human being as well. He was just a bit cheeky. Yeah. No, yeah. that's great. So you moved to Darwin yeah. um, and... Uh, yeah, what brought you to Darwin in the first place? Yeah, so Paul, um, my husband, got a job on the Impex project designing some of the the roads and the accommodation village. Actually, that Howard Springs accommodation village that they're using as a centre for quarantine now, Paul did the civil design for that when it first got built. So he 
thoroughly enjoy seeing that on the news now <laughs> with a different role. That's great. Um, yeah. So we moved up for that and I came up and followed him, um, not knowing anyone, not really having any plans, but just feeling like it was the right thing to do and spent the first six months trying to work out the place and understand how it sort of operated. And then, yeah, 10 years on, it's home. I've moved my mum and my dad and my sister here. My whole family lives in Darwin. We've got a house and, and the doggo. And You must be um, very persuasive. Nothing. Yeah. I'm not, oh, well, look. <laughs> my sister could see that I was having the time of my life and all of my social media posts were just joy. And every time she came up here, she had a good time. So she moved up first. And then mum and dad saw that both their daughters lived here. So that was an incentive. And my parents are incredibly clucky and keen for me to have grandkids. So they figured if they lived within 15 metres or 15 minutes, it would be easier for them to bully me into it rather than on the other side of the country. So, I mean, smart move by them. Smart move yeah. by you. Get your sister first. Yes. Parents are going to have to follow. Well yeah. played. Yeah, look, oh, look I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty bossy human being. <laughs> my, my, my family are all very sweet, um, very kind and caring humans, and I'm the most extroverted of the four of us. So a lot of the time it was whatever I wanted went because they were very happy just to go with the flow, um, which has probably uh, extended the character of who I am to be just a little bit of, yep, whatever I say goes, problematic, but it, um, it worked in this case. So you're extroverted one in the family. That mm-hmm. makes sense that you're the comic. Yeah. Were, you, uh, were you a comedian in your early days there in Perth or did that start later? Yeah, I um, I didn't do comedy until I moved to Darwin. Something about um, the weird things that happen up here and the, the sweaty, strange people doing weird things in the NT News that made comedy a lot easier for me. Um, but I, uh, I never thought of comedy as something for me. I never thought of myself as an artist, and it was a, it was kind of an accident that I got into it in the first place. I was doing yeah. What led yeah. you to that? What led you to to start doing it? Yeah, so I was doing Oxober, so raising money for Healthy Harold, um, the delightful giraffe that teaches kids about healthy things. And my gimmick for Oxober, because everyone does fundraisers all the time, you see it on everyone's Facebook and Instagram, which is, hey, I'm doing this thing, donate money. And after a while, you kind of see the same thing over and over again. So I tried to think about it differently. And I did a gimmick, which was, you know, dare me to do something you would never do sober and then attach a money figure to it. And if I did it, then you had to donate. So people were doing like things like they would never imagine not having alcohol in their system doing. So I, I got dared to do karaoke for a hundred bucks. I got dared to go night clubbing until two a.m. for fifty bucks, um, and a bunch of things like that that I just did sober. And one person was like, "Well, look, I'd never do stand-up comedy sober," and they put two hundred dollars on that. Wow. And I was like, "All right, let's do this." So I, I did a show. I did a five-minute spot at an open mic night and um, got the $200 and loved it. I loved comedy so much and I'd never realised that performing and art was actually something that I was sort of meant to do. You know, sometimes you, you, you try something for the first time and it feels like like the right thing for you. Mm, yep. and, and now that's like the main thing I do for, for work. I, I, I tour around Australia. I do these great big shows. I, I see myself more as a comedian than anything else and that's all just come out of saying yes and doing some things that are a little bit different. Plus, you must have thought, this is very lucrative, five minutes and 200 bucks. That's, yeah. uh, 
That is not the general rate of starting comedians, everyone listening to this podcast. If you're an open micer and you're expecting that, no. Uh, but it was, a, it was, it was, a good, it was an effective way to fundraise. For sure. That's a really cool idea. I love that. And, but it takes the right type of person to be willing to do those dares because singing karaoke for me yeah. is like, oh, so yeah, no, like, no, no. Comedy is nothing compared. Like I, I'm, I'm not scared of comedy at all, but singing in public makes me feel very, very vulnerable. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and so you've done your first gig as an open mic and then what made you think, all right, I'm just going to keep doing this. Darwin. Darwin's the kind of place where if you try something or you get involved in it, it just keeps rewarding you. And it's a small enough place to, to make a difference and to be a part of scenes but big enough that there's lots of things going on and lots of audiences. So I just I enjoyed it. I went back again. Um, second show wasn't as great but that's always the way it is and, and then just kept on going and going and going and loved it and found that it was something that people wanted and needed and... I had a voice that people found interesting in Darwin. So I, yeah, I, I think it escalated pretty quickly. I ended up in the Royal Finals for the NT in front of 400 people for my third kick. So that was a pretty decent start. And yeah, wow. Yeah, and then from there I just, I'm a pretty driven person when I find something that I love and that I know because I'm driven by bringing joy to other people and, you know, providing moments of entertainment. Like I really like being able to share joy and to make things a bit more fun for people. And comedy is just such a good way to do that. So I, I pushed myself really hard to go on these regional tours and go down to Adelaide Fringe and just do as many gigs as possible for a Darwin kid. And that's all led to where I am now. Like I reckon half the things I do wouldn't have happened if I didn't do comedy. So it's, it's one of those beautiful things where if you just say yes and try something, it can lead to all sorts of, all sorts of wonderful things. Mm, and that's, probably a good way to, you know, settle yourself into a new community, into a new town, just to say yes to opportunities and immerse yourself. Mm, 100%. Biggest bit of advice if you're living in a new place, just say yes to things, get involved. Like that first six months I lived in Darwin, I didn't know anybody, but I just volunteered and joined committees and associations and helped out and used the skills that I had to help. But then also that almost worked like a, a living resume, people were able to see what I could do and what I cared about and what and what set me apart so that when it came to applying for jobs and getting other opportunities, I wasn't a no, like I wasn't an unknown. Mm. Like I, I put myself out there and, and given first and I think that's a really valuable lesson for anyone who wants to be a part of a community is that you have to give first before you can take the benefits of that community. That's a lovely little quote there, Amy. I like it. I'm so wise. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. Volunteering can be such a beautiful experience, something to be part of. So often volunteers get as much out of it for themselves as the, you know, the help or the impact that they're giving yeah. in their volunteer role. Yeah, well, I met, I met my husband in a volunteer group. Every job I've ever really had came out of volunteering first. I just, it's the most most wonderful thing that you can do, but also it's, it's the backbone of a lot of things. Like in the Territory, um, one-third of all Territorians are a volunteer. Wow. So that's, yeah, a third of the, ter- of the Territory is, is, has volunteers. So it's, it's an insane thing to think about, but it's those numbers that make a community. And I think if you're ever feeling a bit lost or a bit down, it's such a beautiful way to, to, to build yourself back up. And especially after a year like 2020, I think being able to, to volunteer and to 
to, to grow your, your community and your space and to, to give is a really quick way to, to feel more connected and more resilient. Yeah, that's for sure. That's good advice. Again, I, I agree. You are very wise. I'm... <laughs> I have my moments. I'm drinking a peppermint tea, so obviously I must. Herbal tea and advice is, is the theme for today. Very much so. <laughs> so coming back to uh, your comedy career just quickly. Um, yeah. So this is, it just blew me away a little bit. So you've got open mic as a dare. Second show did not go well, apparently. Yeah. That, were your, that were your words. Not yeah, no, second show was awful. I was too confident and not prepared. You th- what did you think the first one went well? So I'll just smash this one as well. Or? Generally for comics, what happens is the first gig is a high adrenaline and because it's your first gig, everyone's supporting you and comedy is a lot of tension and release. So people are tense for you for your first time. So they're more likely to laugh. Second time that that magic is, is missed and now you actually have to work on your material as opposed to the, the beauty of a first time show. Um, but yeah, yeah, the third gig was 400 people at the entertainment center. Why not? Um, so good. yeah. And then, and then I guess from there, it's been leaps and bounds. Like even this last weekend, just being, I did the biggest show of my life in front of 2000 people at the convention center alongside Husey and Peter Hellier and Denise Scott and Tripod, um, and Akmal and all these incredible acts in what was the Northern Territory's biggest ever comedy show. And that's, that's all come from some dare to do comedy to raise money for Healthy Harold. Wow. That's <laughs> so full on. So what was it like to um, be on a, a bill like that? Insane. Like those kind of things you only dream of. And let alone, and this is the thing I'm probably most proud of, is that I held my own against those comics. Like you, audiences, when they recognise a name and they know somebody from the TV, it's easier to, to laugh because you understand that person. And I think a lot of comedy comes from liking and knowing the person first and then the material comes after that. I think a lot of it needs to be built on the relationship that you can form on stage. And Darwin was so beautiful that night because I got such a huge round of applause because people were like, yeah, Darwin girl, yeah. <laughs> And yeah, the the material was was for Darwin, and it went it went really well. So that was great, and even better than that, all those beautiful comedians who I see on the TV were all just beautiful human beings. It was so nice backstage; everyone was so lovely. Um, and I think a lot of them were pretty grateful to be out of you know places like Melbourne and Sydney where they can't do gigs to two thousand yeah. people. So I think everyone was in a really good mood. Totally, that would have been just a yeah, such a great experience for those. You know, people just, that's what their bread and butter is, doing doing what they do in front of audiences and they haven't been able to. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the gratitude they felt was really high. And then, like, afterwards, like, we're all out at a pub with a cover band in Darwin, which isn't classy or sophisticated and what you expect from television celebrities. <laughs> but um, they were having the best time ever. Like, Peter Hellier even said to me, he's like, look, Amy, it doesn't matter where we are. We're outside without masks and there's a live band. This is the best day ever. So <laughs> it was like Darwin providing the goods, it turned out. Yeah, it's so true because, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what Sydney's like exactly, but in Melbourne, you know, you you got your mask on to go into the bar, you can take it off once you're drinking and then you have to have this charade of like, I've got the drink in my hand, so my mask can yeah. be off. And, um, you know, dancing is not a yeah. thing in, in Melbourne. I think it might be coming oh, back, but basically it is. it is. It's <laughs> ridiculous. And recently a mate sent me a video of him lining up 
to go on the dance floor because they could have 20 people on the dance floor. And that was a line. Robin, my heart. We are so, yeah, so weirdly lucky in Darwin that it hasn't affected us. Look, if anyone's listening to this and going, oh, this is a sad realisation, come over holiday in Darwin. Like you can, you can dance, you can do whatever. Oh, it, like watching Peter Hellier, Denise Scott and Tripod dancing to a Darwin cover band and singing along to Summer of 69 is just forever going to be the best memory that I've ever had because it's such a, such, a, such a dodgy bar but just the perfect place to go out. Yeah, and sometimes they're the best nights, dodgy yeah. bar. Oh, yeah, can't go wrong. No expectations. Exactly. No, that's a beautiful memory. That's so great. Yeah, so 2,000 people at the convention centre, that's incredible. How does that match up to the other highlight maybe don't want to speak on your behalf, the other comedy highlight you had where you sold out. Last year I wrote my new solo show, which is called Don't Feed the Ducks, and the silver lining of 2020 and people not necessarily being able to tour to Darwin meant that the entertainment centre was booked my show. Originally in the studio space, which is 200 seats, but that sold out in two days. And then they put me in the Playhouse 500-seat theatre and I sold that out and... First ever solo act in Darwin to sell out the Playhouse, which is insane. So good. Um, yeah, so, so good. And with the show I'm so proud of, you know, like I got to do it at Darwin Festival as well, four nights at Darwin Festival, which sold out. So I guess in total 600 or 700 Darwin people came to see that show, which is insane for me to think about. And it's oh, I love that show so much and I'm really looking forward to touring it down to Adelaide Fringe and then maybe taking it to other states and territories as well because... It's nice when you write something you're proud of as well as you enjoy performing. So it's a cool thing. Yeah. So don't feed the ducks. Yes. I've heard you say before, it's not about ducks. That's not about ducks. No, it's not about ducks at all. Um, Well, I don't know. You have to see the show. There is... um, Good tease. There might be something about ducks. I don't know. It's about um, being an adult and then realising that you're ready for a new chapter in that adult journey. So me and my husband are ready to start a family. So we're at that stage in our lives now. And the show's really about how terrifying it is to realise that you can have a kid without a licence. And, yeah, all the fears that come with that, but then all the realities and the hilarious things that that happen as a part of that process. So it's a lot of oversharing, a lot of silliness, uh, and parents will enjoy it or couples will enjoy it. But then also people that, you know, there's a whole section in there about why dogs are better than people and why white wine makes me do dumb things. So it's just a, it's a fun show that isn't about dogs. Yeah, I like it. And so it sounds like the your parents and the bullying has kind of worked yeah. then. Oh, look, there's only so long that you can tell my mum no. <laughs> She's, she may be introverted, but she is assertive if she wants something. Mm, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think it's an exciting time. I mean, my husband uh, that we're at, we've decided that we're ready and uh, part of the show is me just going around asking parents for advice because, you know, there's not many courses you can do about raising a child. You can do a short course on how to drive a forklift but not how to keep a human being alive. Yeah, that's one thing my wife and I found is that there's, um, yeah, there's a course at the hospital for the labour. Yeah. But after that it's like, all right, off you go. Go forth and conquer. <laughs> yeah. Make sure it's breathing. That's, that's all it says. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. no, it's... Um, it's interesting, but you'll be great because you were just talking about how you're a yes person and, uh, you know, moving past the infant stage into toddler stage. If you're just a yes person, your toddler will think you're the greatest 
human that's ever lived. Yeah, well, that's going to be a whole thing for us. We're going to have to work out who's the disciplinary person between me and my husband. And I don't know. I don't. I can't imagine Paul being a disciplinary because he's he's a massive pushover. Like, I yeah, it's going to have to be me. I think. Yeah. That's all right. I can. I can work on that. <laughs> I can work on that. It's uh, it's hard to be a yes person when the the toddler for the tenth time has said, "Dad, can you tell me a story?" I'm like, "Okay, I've told ten stories today. I need to." <laughs> So Think cute. of an eleventh one, but it's great. Yeah, all oh, little people. Yes, yeah, I'm excited. Be fun. Have fun to have a little mate. For sure. Have you heard about anything? And this might be—I don't know. You might not know about this, but Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Asking for a friend, mm-hmm. aka myself. But is that on your radar? Is that even going ahead? Do we even know? I think it's going ahead. Um, I don't know if I'm going to fit it in this time. Uh, there's a there's less venues and smaller spaces, so the cost of coming from Darwin to do a show, I wouldn't necessarily be able to cover my costs. Mm. But um, I'd be looking at doing a show outside of festival time, I'd imagine. So if I'm going down to Melbourne, I'll have a holiday and then put a show on as a part of that. Um, I do love performing in Melbourne. I loved Melbourne Comedy Festival. It was a couple of years ago when I was there last. Had a really great time with my show um, where they hide the crazy. That was really fun. But, yeah, no comedy festival for me this year, but you all have a great time with the acts that are there. And so if people want to, you know, follow you and watch out for where you might be touring this year, yeah. where, where can they kind of get that info? Social media is probably the easiest thing. So Amy Hetherington Comedy on Facebook is a good one. Um, I tend to have all my shows and things on there. But, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to do some more shows interstate this year. Um, outside of festivals, just put on, like hire a venue, put on a show and share that Darwin voice in different places. But I guess we'll see. One thing I've learned about last year is that you just got to be flexible, don't you? Yeah, uh, that's right. You make some plans, but then you have the resilience and the, the bounce to go, all right, well, that didn't work. Let's see what else we can do and try it that way. I agree. And so on top of Facebook, I'd suggest people follow you on Instagram because you're a very fun oh, yeah. follow on Instagram yeah, as well. Yeah, there's lots of dog content on there. <laughs> True. Yeah, so that's just um, Amy Hetherington. I was really lucky I got the handle without any numbers, any underscores, just Amy Hetherington. And uh, there's two other famous Amy Hetheringtons in Australia. One of them is the editor of The Big Issue, which is pretty cool. She's an incredible Amy Hetherington. I really like her. And then the other one is a bikini model in Queensland um, who I often get accidentally tagged in photos um, on Facebook as. Really? Really good for my self-esteem. <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> oh, she's lovely, so but yeah, she's got millions of followers and a very different lifestyle to me. Yeah, that's um, three very different Amy Hetheringtons. There you go. Very much so. <laughs> well, yeah, I've got tagged in, rec- in something recently. It was um, a Josh Griffin on Instagram who's this incredible visual artist. Yeah, he's the one who did my photos for the duck shop. Really? Yeah, that Josh Griffin is my photographer. I think it's a different spelling though, but um, he seems very impressive. So he was insanely impressive. So yeah, all those duck photos he did. He's um yeah, he's insane and TikTok famous too. Yeah, I think I remember seeing some incredible number of TikTok followers. But um yeah, 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 he's uh he's 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 the real deal, Darwin boy. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Are you on TikTok? Nah. Nah. I'd lose my mind if I was on another social media platform. And I work with too many young people. I want to give them their space, I think. Fair enough. Now, well, Amy, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. 
for for those listening at home, we uh, we've been chatting for a long time because we lost <laughs> some content at the start. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what actually made it into the podcast. The, the amazing power of the record button, friends. Yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, that's funny. No, that's awesome. Thank you, Amy. Appreciate it, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see you at that Melbourne show. Yeah, definitely. Take care, human beings that are listening. Be kind to each other. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you liked it or any of our other episodes, it would be great if you can rate and review the Inspirational Australians podcast. It really helps us out. If someone you know needs a little dose of inspiration, why not let them know about this podcast? And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. You can always head to our website at awardsaustralia.com slash podcast for more information and details on each guest. Now, before we go, I'd like to thank Annette, our producer. Here's a fun fact. Annette is my mum and our other host, Jeff, is my dad. This podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia, a family-owned business that proudly uncovers the stories of people who make a difference for others. We can only do this with the support of our corporate and not-for-profit partners as they make our awards programs possible. So do you know someone making a difference? If you'd like to recommend someone to be a guest on the podcast, get in touch through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians. Or maybe your business might like to sponsor the podcast or get involved with the awards we run. Head to our website, awardsaustralia.com for more details. Until next week, stay safe. And remember, together we make a difference. Thanks for joining us today on the Inspirational Australians podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.